0: hello everybody and welcome go back to the upside so to be a draft podcast the podcast of the highest ceiling i'm your host bryce hendrix joins always by the great cooper klein and the first second however you want to put it i don't know a guess i guess we're bringing on good friend of the podcast he he came on to talk uh during our mock draft and we knew we had to get him on at least once or twice this offseason it's definitely gonna be twice now because he's got to come back on next week to talk bigs but uh we're gonna talk some guards some under the radar guard returners and of course we brought on the great garrett johnson he's at half awake takes does a lot of work out there i'll tag all of it below garrett my friend how you doing i'm doing great man appreciate the intro
1: glad to be on again
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's uh, you. You can always tell when it's going to be a good pod when we spend forty minutes just BSing before the pod starts. That's just like it's 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 great vibes. It's a great time. Uh, Coop, before we get into these guys, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, been watching
2: Indiana Jones today. I uh, just been hanging out, having a nice day, and uh, I'm excited to talk about uh, all these guys. I got four guys I really like, and one guy I feel obligated to talk about, but. We'll uh we'll hop right in and uh, this will this will be real really real real fun. Have You watched the new one, Coop? No, I haven't watched it yet. I'm kind of scared. I'm rewatching them all, and then I got to go see it. I'm like,
0: you could definitely like, feel that Spielberg didn't direct it. That's all, dude. That's all I'm I'll scared
2: say. to watch to like rewatch Crystal Skull because I'm on three right now, and I'm like, I have to watch it, but I haven't seen it in years since I was a kid, and it's like I just liked it because it was Indiana Jones, but now it's like I have to I have to see him. You know, I can't just
0: not. I watched I, I rewatched them too, actually after I saw Dial of Destiny because I well, I would just that's like I just went to Dial of Destiny blind and I'm like, I should really rewatch these. And I had like a profound emotional reaction to part three that I've like never had before. That I watched volume I I keep calling it volume. I watched part four, uh Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and I was just like, Oh okay, I guess it's a movie. The CGI is real bad, but it's twenty eleven, so uh that's what, my what favorite part
2: of the of the original three is just like you could tell whatever this it's CGI time like the whole scene with the uh with the the airship in three and it's like this is the most disgusting thing ever put to see to screen and
0: it's like it's a char- it's a charming way and it's it's I, it's an adventure it, serial you know it's it's like I I honestly do believe that the matting was like purposely like kind of mediocre because like Spielberg did better batting around the same time even thinking of something like Poltergeist like all the all the mat and all the keying looks way better. So i honestly, I do feel like him and ILM were like, yeah, just like make it a little worse so it looks like it's from the nineteen forties. So
1: chops to him. I will say, like movies that have bad CGI have really great like ironic rewatchability. I I really like going back and watching like Star Wars: phantom Menace, not because of the movie, but because the CGI is like in a whole world like, you can't even believe that CGI used to be like it was. Like That's when they're a- going into the undersea, the undersea scenes are just. <laughs> nuts <laughs> see i i like i like the phantom
0: menace just because as a kid i used to want to be boss Naz. <laughs> i don't know why i had like an obsession with the one gungan guy boss nass like i was i thought he was so funny and when he did the thing <laughs> where he like shakes his head and like that's how he disagrees with something it's, i don't know all time that's the awesome
2: most bright star wars character of all time is boss nass
0: him or uh or bib fortuna, those are those are my two go-to's.
2: Um hey anyway you weren't were a
0: Plocoon stand. <laughs> I liked his episode of the Clone Wars where all the clones are trapped in a little escape pod with him. Anyways, anyways, Coop, we should probably talk about basketball at some point, right? That's that's probably the point of this podcast. So why don't you start us off here? We're we're here to talk about kind of guards and wings who returning to college uh whether it be sophomores juniors whatever we're not really talking about any super seniors i don't think but in general kind of mostly sophomores juniors who are returning to school who are kind of in on or at least interested to see some of these guys were low minute guys some of them were pretty big minute big scorer guys who are just still under the radar for whatever reason so we each picked five well I, i actually picked six um because i'm a cheater uh but let's just dive right into it coop do you want to start us off with your first guy
2: Yeah, I'll start us off with the best guy on the entire list. uh, Houston legend, Terrence Arsenault, uh, 6'7", Houston product. He played at Beaumont United in high school. Uh, He's going to be a sophomore this next year. Uh, This is one of Bryce and I's guys. Like, absolutely love him. He is one of the most insane defensive movers you will ever see in your life. And you can go check out the stats profile. It's not crazy. And then you get to the, like... He, he played like 32% of their minutes. He didn't play some games. He played like three minutes in others. Like the rotation was really weird and he didn't really have time to like set his feet and figure out this is what you're going to do. And it, it was a weird year, but he still had that 2.9 steal rate for the season and 4.0 in conference play. And like, that's kind of the sell, like a 2.4 block rate in in conference play as well he is everywhere on the defensive end. Like it doesn't, he is so chaotic. Uh, He jumps too much, but I think that, you know, sometimes you got to take the bad with the good. Um, And I I think he's just really versatile. He is, like I said, everywhere on defense, but the offense is what I really want to see this year. And this is going to be kind of the make or break for him. Um, His process is really weird. He doesn't want to take spot ups unless he's like wide, wide open. If there's even like a semblance of a closeout, he wants to get into a a one-two dribble pull-up in the short mid-range. The only real thing he does on offense right now is grab offensive rebounds, like 7.6 offensive rebound rate. Uh, Like he would just sneak in there from the corner every single time a three-point shot got up and his touch wasn't great around the rim. I mean, the numbers don't really say that, but he only took 25 of them. But he would miss easy layups like way too often when he'd just sneak in there and grab a, you know, an easy board. It really just looked like he wasn't super confident this year. Uh, And I think like, he's going to have to just realize that he's the man this year. I think he's kind of the swing player for this Cougs team. Um, If he can't shoot, I don't know what they do. Like genuinely, unless you're going to play three guards, like three little guards that are just going to snipe. It's, it's going to be a weird year. And I, I think I want to see some creation stuff from him, but even if it's not there, there is so much there defensively. And as an off ball player and a cutter, he's still a guy, but you know, if we get back to the shot creation, the confidence, the passing, he's a really great connected passer. If we get back to the stuff that we've seen from him in flashes and that we saw from him at Beaumont United, uh, I think he's pretty easily like a lotto guy. For me, like just the stuff he does is so valuable that if the flashes start to come together, he is like very easily that guy.
0: Yeah. Garrett, do you kind of want to go first and just kind of give your whether it's pushback or questions or just to agree with him on, on Arsenal?
1: Yeah. I, I think, uh, considering his high school reputation and I personally was a fan of his, though I thought the shot was going to take some time. The fact that he was never really. F- it didn't feel like he was really part of a central part of Houston's plans last year. It did put him in a lot of awkward situations where he was kind of getting cleanup looks kind of expected to find his own looks off. Like you're talking about crashing boards and the occasional open three. It's not really his game to take a lot of perimeter shots. And I think that, you know, they just had other guys who could create better off ball last year. I'd like to see him uh, take more on ball responsibility this year with Houston. Um, for, For me, I think like, Cooper said it's, it's a make or break year. Um, you know, high school reputation only goes so far. He needs to show some improvement from last season and, and, and hopefully show that he's cleaned up his shot mechanics a bit. Cause right now there's like a kind of a question of what exactly does he do on an NBA court that really like earns his minutes permanently in a rotation. Uh, at the moment to me, he looks more like a project. I think his draft range could be all over the place. It's really hard to predict where he ends up, uh, on draft night, like versus where he's talked about right now, which is kind of like, I don't know, mid first. I think even now he's kind of, his range is all over the place. Would you guys agree? Yeah. I I've mean, seen him, uh, I've Go seen him, I've seen him
2: unranked. I've seen him top 20, right? Like it's, it's just weird.
0: Which seems about right. I mean, for a, you know, six, five, six, six, he's probably small forward size, at least with his athleticism and length. athlete, who clearly has some instincts and like a plus motor, but just a lot of questions in terms of like what he'll actually contribute. Like, yeah, the range should be super variable because if he does shoot like like solid volume, 36 to 38%, like, yeah, I think that's a pretty easy case to be a top 20-ish guy, you know? And like in high school, like I thought he seemed more comfortable kind of shooting off the dribble versus off the catch. And that was something I kind of noted was – Uh, and that was like Tremont Mark too, which is someone who I really liked for Houston. And, you know, I still like Mark, but Mark never really did develop as a catch and shoot guy. I'm not sure Houston is a great place for people to really learn how to catch and shoot, to be honest, Uh, as much as I love, as much as I love that team. Um, I'm actually wearing a Houston shirt right now. Um, but I think that, uh, For Arsenal, you know, if he can hit shots, or he at least looks like he can project to hit shots, um, I do still buy him as a closeout attacker. Uh, It's hard to do that with no spacing, right? Like closeout attack is one of those things that's probably most dependent on solid spacing. Um, But I think that, you know, just as a one step guy, he doesn't really have much of a handle, but quick first step, really long strides. Like that's something I really love about his game is his ability to kind of get low and really extend those strides out um, and still generate power. Uh, so I, I think there's enough there with Arsenal. I was obviously, as I mentioned, very high on him. He was a preseason top twenty guy for me last year, and people probably called me crazy for that. And I'll, you know, I'll take the hit that he only played thirty one point nine percent of Houston's minutes this year. But I still think there's something there. Uh, Garrett, Coop, you guys have any final thoughts on Arsenal, and, and if not, Garrett, the floor is yours to kind of move on to whoever you want to.
1: Yeah, I think the shot we're talking. I I, I totally agree about the idea that he's better as an off the dribble shooter or more comfortable, I should say, as an off-the-dribble shooter than a catch and shoot guy. I really think that the biggest issue with his shot mechanics right now is that his alignment and the upper body is really off uh off center. I think that he it, to me also his guide hand is way too involved in that shot. So I think he's kind of a project as a shooter. I wouldn't really draft him think hoping that he's a 36, 38% shooter. So I think he really has to show something else beyond that. Uh, beyond just shooting improvements for me to start thinking of him as like a high first round guy, like some people have spoken about him as. That yeah. that does that about does it for me with Terrence. Yeah, Coop, you got any final thoughts?
2: Terrence rocks. Um, I think, so something I was talking about with a fellow Coogs fan is it, I can really see if the shot doesn't come around this year, him kind of having the Kevin McCuller arc where it's like he sticks around in college and it's like, he just does so much good for your team. And it's like, even though the shot isn't falling, he's just, he's, he still kicks ass and he probably should still be drafted, but teams basically require if you're not a star wing that you have to shoot. So until, or if slash when he doesn't or does shoot, like that's really the swing skill I think for him as a draftable player, unless this year he like pops out and it's like, Oh, I'm running pick and rolls and making crazy passes and shit. And it's like, he really plays off that pull off that pull-up game. And that kind of like elevates him a little bit to like a, you know, not just in role player view, but I don't, I don't really think that's super realistic. I think that he's really just a super high-end role player prospect and nothing wrong with that. I love my super high-end role players, but uh, I I do think that the Kev McCuller career trajectory could be, you know, in his future, if the shot doesn't come around.
0: yeah. Seems about favorite. Garrett, do you kind of want to take us through your first guy?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm a Virginia fan. So uh, understand the bias ahead of time, but I, I'm bringing a Reese Beekman to the table. Um, I think Beekman is a player that continues to go majorly underrated. I mean, we already just saw that he came back to school and I thought he was a top 35 guy in that class. Um, I think it's in large part to his offensive game being pretty slow and methodical in an already slow and methodical Virginia offense. Um, So it doesn't really like stand out to you as him being an offensive star. But in reality, he was the offensive engine for Virginia and improved Virginia team last year. Uh, He tends to drive with a really slow, silky style. Um, And I think part of what people don't know about him is that he actually suffered a pretty significant knee injury in December and continue to play through it for the rest of the year so it really took away some explosiveness that you see on the early season tape for virginia where he was starting to get talked about as like a real prospect um but that being said this is a crazy stat considering what i just said over the last two months of the season he was still offensive engine for virginia and he posted a 4.76 assist to turnover ratio over the last two two months with 81 assists over 13 games I'm telling you, it's really hard to post six assists per game in a Virginia offense with the tempo they play at. It's really hard to put up counting stats. His passing ability was staggering. It's something I honestly didn't know he had in him when he first started at Virginia. Um, so entering his senior year, I do think it's fair for scouts to be a little bit concerned about what the level of shooter between can be is. He's never he came into college not really as a shooter, and his last year was really the last, of the first season that he posted reasonable shooting numbers. Uh, but his mechanics have also undergone some major que- t- uh, tweaks since early on. So it could be explaining that. Uh, but we already know what Beekman can do defensively. He's the reigning defensive player of the year in the ACC. I think he should have been back-to-back. I, don- I think he should have won it over Mark Williams the year prior to. His feel for attacking passing lanes is among the best you'll find in the class, in any class, really. And he's great at using his length and sneaky athleticism, staying in front of ball handlers. Really disruptive player. Uh, just really great at putting a body on you without fouling. And I think this is just the type of player you give a guaranteed contract to on draft night, see how far the offense can go, knowing that, like, while he's figuring that out at the NBA level, he's going to be locking down guys defensively off the bench on a nightly basis. So, curious what you all think about Beekman.
0: Yeah, I like Beekman quite a bit. Top 35 in last year's class is probably a, a bit like, I don't know. It, he's tough for me because. I do agree. Like a lot of people talk about the defense. It's like his cell, but for me, what's always been the cell is, you know, that 32.1 assist rate to a 15.2% assist or turnover rate in Virginia's offense. Like I was super high on someone like a Ty Jerome, right? I thought Ty Jerome was a top 20 ish guy in that class. And I still stand by that take, like, obviously he's really slow and he's never really fully stuck, but like I still think he was that caliber of prospect and Jerome was not putting up those types of counting stats, really um, much less rate stats, even. And, and, um, you know, that was obviously on a different type of team, but still, uh, I just think the, what he does offensively, like controlling the pace, how he operates, um, you know, and this is all having to play next to like Kihei Clark, who was arguably one of the most damaging players in college basketball last year. And the year before that, like it just kind of, you know, obviously love the guy for what he did for Virginia, if you're a Virginia fan, right. But like at a certain point he was not that good, um, I do worry that he's just not someone who can score, like, at all at the NBA level. Um, You know, I do wonder what he would look like kind of playing with more NBA pace, right? He's fairly athletic, especially changing ends, I think. Like, that's something that stands out, despite Virginia not being a team that plays very up-tempo at all. Like, he does when he can push the pace. Like, he is pretty smooth doing that. Like, can he be someone who becomes a really solid, like, hit-ahead passer? Can he see shooters in transition? I think there's a path for that. What he strikes me as is someone who feels like a pretty safe bet to be a really plus backup point guard. Um, everything I've heard about him as a person too, really, really plus stuff. I mean, um, not to like get too much into that stuff, but did have a brother, Bryce, who went to WSU and sadly overdosed um my during my freshman year at WSU. So it's kind of a big thing up here. And uh, you know, I'm I'm like he's handled that. I mean, about as well as you could probably hope it sounds like, and uh, been a leader for that Virginia team. And um, I think he's someone who's going to find a way to stick. I probably, I probably would have drafted him at some point last year. um, And probably someone I would give a guaranteed contract in the NBA, even after, I mean, he's not that old either. He is 21 right now. He'll turn 22 in October, you know, 23 throughout his rookie year. That's not young, but like I had Marcus Sasser top 25 and he was, 23 basically the same age when he got drafted so i i like Beekman. i don't love Beekman, but i think there's definitely something there coop
2: yeah just i don't really have much else to add y'all have a deep dive someone who's like a really really high level backup point guard prospect and i think that's something that's kind of changed as we come along is like seeing a lot of value in these kinds of players uh especially guys who can actually do it well right i think that's The difference is it's like if you are like a backup point guard bet, like Ty Ty Washington, for example, versus like someone who's like actually really good at backup point guard stuff and like does them right now and can add value in that way. Like we've we've seen guys make entire careers and make like nearly a hundred million dollars off doing this kind of stuff. Uh, You can't really go wrong taking a guy who can really help your team like that in the second round right? Like how many more sure bets to like, at least do something are there in the second round than like a Reese Beekman type. Who's not going to turn the ball over can get you into your set, solidly athletic, you know, I, not a great scorer, but he is a good enough scorer to not like just be completely ignored with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's not like microscopically tiny to where he's just going to get bullied every single other possession. Um, you know he he's not perfect, and that's why he's a backup point guard. But there's nothing wrong with a guy with taking a guy like that. You know, outside of the first.
0: All right, yeah, I think that's that's pretty good on Beekman. I think we're all pretty in on him. So yeah, I think him going back to school in general kind of feels a little off. I'm going to talk about two guys really briefly who are on the same team. I find both them interesting. The first is Josh Dix. Both these guys play for Iowa. I'm going to talk about Josh Dix and Peyton Sanford. Um, Dix is um, shot 40% for three last year. That's the first thing that stands out. Listed at 6'5". Probably a little shorter than that, if I were to guess. But he has some point guard to his game, even though like the assist turnover rates wouldn't necessarily point to that. Watched some high school stuff on him. Actually, after he stood out to me in one of the college games I watched, so i went back and watched some high school stuff. I think I just really buy him as like a pretty versatile shooter score threat who can also make some plays out of pick and roll another guy who's probably more of a bet to be like a backup point guard off guard type like definitely some combo to his game but really solid pull-up shooter in my opinion uh really great footwork on those shots um not that fran really puts too tight a leash on anyone offensively but i mean he only played 21.4 percent of iowa's minutes this year and was still taking quite a few, like, pretty tough threes. You know, very confident in that shot. Um, and, you know, part of why I chose to talk about both these guys is that I think uh, Iowa's chance to be, like, one of the best shooting teams ever with Dix and then the Sanford brothers. And I will talk about Price here because he's a freshman. I'll save that for a pod that Coop and I will eventually do on Underrated freshmen. But Peyton is someone who... You know, I didn't really like after watching his freshman year. I, I I wasn't too in on him. And some people told me kind of stick with it, stick with his game because there's a lot special to him as a shooter. So I kind of stuck with it. And, you know, we only shot 34.3% from three this year. And that seems kind of iffy, but he is six, seven. Uh, he's pretty fairly long too. And when you go through his month by month shooting splits, um, Garrett probably has these, you know, somewhat close. He he told them to me earlier, but Uh, I suppose that he was sick or had some sort of injury kind of early in the year and really struggled shot. I believe like 19% in November and 18% in December and then 45, 47% in January, February, something like that. And Sanford's just a guy like he can really hit off movement when he's really feeling it. He's taking some very tough shots specifically like his footwork on DHO is going to his left really pops to me. Um, But even going to his right, uh, comfortable hitting some pull-ups these two are kind of like weird ones but i i think Iowa could is could really shock some teams at least offensively this year by just being like really really insane outside shooting wise and then they do have a solid uh i believe Cricky or crick or I, I don't know how to say his name it, as like a playmaking five for them uh kind of replacing philip or bracha um, should be a kind of interesting team and i think sanford and dick's gonna be a big part of it uh, Garrett, Coop, you guys have any thoughts on either of the Iowa guys?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with Josh Chicks at all, so I'm looking forward to seeing him next year, uh, seeing some of the stuff you're talking about. Peyton, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with the shooting splits. It's it's a really stark difference. Uh, has posted outstanding free throw numbers both years at Iowa, so that I think there are indicators there that, that he's going to have a big uptick in shooting this year. I'm really excited to see this offense that you you're hyping up with Iowa shooting. Um, it just seems really on brand for Iowa, so uh, yeah. I, I to to know that they have three potentially elite shooters is really exciting.
0: Yeah, I I will say I'm hyping them up. There's a chance like there's a chance that they're not all that good actually and that would kind of suck but i uh i i don't put that past fran mccaffrey he's a very inconsistent coach there's a chance that pat mccaffrey is like the leader on this team in usage and that would then probably be an issue and there's a chance that Dix isn't starting which would suck but uh in in my head hypothetically this is a fun team
1: i uh, hear bryce saying guarantee iowa the <laughs> best shooting team all time yeah, yes 100
0: everyone in iowa will shoot 40 percent, and they will be the the greatest college basketball offense the game has ever seen that's kind of what i'm getting at
2: too bad bad they're coached by a guy who's going to give somebody a 50 usage and uh, turn them into a first-round draft prospect whether they want to be that or not okay so uh yeah no i don't i don't really have much else to say about any of these guys but uh can't wait to watch more big 10 basketball this year i love it
0: hoop do you want to move to your next guy
2: yeah, uh, so moving out of the worst conference in America, we are moving over to the ACC for FSU, or I guess now Miami's own. Uh, Matty Cleves, Matthew Cleveland, uh, played the last few years, uh, over at FSU, and it's just like an ins- another on brand insane defensive mover uh solid rebounder, great cutter. Like he was just a dominant interior scorer in high school and uh he scored 62 63% at the rim uh mostly unassisted in like the most god awful <laughs> offense that you could imagine at FSU last year. Um I I don't know what has happened, but the the wheels have just fallen off there. Um and I I think Cleveland's really suffered for that because I probably would have taken him, you know, top 40, top 35 after his freshman year, uh, just off the flashes. And, uh, you know, he's really grown as a pull up two point shooter as a, an operator in the pick and roll, not really like as a, a playmaker in it, he can make sort of simple reads out of it, but he's mostly just as a scorer with a, you know, a screen from a, seven foot four big man, you know, he's gotten a lot better at, at navigating really cramped spaces with the ball in his hands. Great cutter who hasn't really had the ability to play off of anyone. Um, you know, in his time there, he's grown as a three point shooter, but like the numbers aren't great. The free throw indicators aren't great, but uh, I, I expect him under Jim Laranjega this year to really like test what the offense could be um and like if he can really shoot i think he's pretty easily a first round bet uh just another guy who's so dominant at like a lot of little random small stuff 2.7 block rate you know 1.4 steal rate he is he's not like everywhere all at once creating chaos but he does the right thing he executes the scheme he's a little crazy but you know he doesn't he brought down his fouls a solid amount this year he's really reined it in i think some of that is like he had a way higher offensive load but i really just I, i'm expecting a breakout under like a real coach with real teammates and uh i i think he's someone who's really going to benefit from playing with guys who can actually dribble and actually pass and actually shoot like uh like bryce talked about with terrence arsenal it's like Playing like playing off ball, attacking closeouts, you know, that is something that really depends on spacing. And if Miami is nothing else this upcoming year, it's gonna be really well spaced with, you know, a, a great point guard making reads. And I, I'm really excited to see what Miami's able to do this year with, you know, a guy who's been really miscast the last few
0: years. I'll say this. I think Leonard Hamilton is a fine coach. That uh, Florida State just feels like it's yeah. a mess for whatever reason. Jalen Worley also weird guy we could have talked about today but Garrett I'll actually give the four to you because I'm interested to hear where you're at on Cleveland he's someone who's kind of bounced like all over the place for me in terms of how I regard him so I'm interested to hear
1: your thoughts well first of all if he played Virginia every game he'd be a lottery pick easy uh he something about him playing as Virginia just like sparks something in him he 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 plays out of his mind but uh for me I, I I think he his highs and lows are so dramatically different even in year two uh uh, to me at one point I thought that he was a lottery like potential lottery prospect coming into college and have kind of really kind of cooled on him I think to me partly of course as Kubari talked about the shot but I, I think that uh I had hoped that he could have some some occasional point forward reps where he could be more of a playmaker for others and I just haven't felt like the decision making has gotten to that Uh, uh, to that benchmark yet of where it needs to be for it to work in the NBA, whereas it it works okay at Florida State. But to me, I think he just has, he's so toolsy. I think he is a a very intelligent basketball player who who gets the most out of, uh, who got the most out of his athleticism last year as opposed to previous, maybe his freshman year when he was playing a little more tentative. Uh, And a guy who I'm really interested to see how different his game looks at Miami particularly uh, just the amount of of driving lanes that Miami opens up versus Florida state where Florida state's offense, I do think was pretty messy these last couple of years. Again, not an indictment of the coaching staff there, but more of personnel, not necessarily gelling together. Um, A lot of injuries. They've been one of the most injured teams the last two years of any team in college basketball. Um, So, yeah, I I think that there's a lot of question marks around him and I really want him to reach some of those highs that I where I had him regarded coming into college uh, and definitely could be a guy who rises really quickly. If the shooting comes together or anything else I talked about.
0: Yeah. Still fairly young, September 15th, 2002 birthday, 20 years old, uh, you know, turn 21. So not like absurdly old, at least I do think Miami is a great place for him. I just think Larry Nega is one of the better coaches in college basketball. Um, and I think this year, especially I think he's going to be helped by Wong not being there. Um, But I think Garrett put it best when he said the highs and lows are so extreme. And I actually, while the number from three got better on better volume, I actually feel like the shooting has regressed some. I I, like, I feel like the form has gotten worse since high school. Um, I still don't really buy the touch a ton. Um, Did shoot it pretty well, you know, despite the bad spacing at the rim, 19 dunks, very athletic, like, I just I, I I feel like there's a real field efficiency there and in a way like Arsenal has a bit of a field efficiency, but like his motor is so insane that it makes that for him and allows him to be a big time stocks guy. It worries me that Cleveland's not really a big time stocks guy right now. Right. Like that feels like a bit of an issue. 2.7 block rate for a 6-7, you know, guy who's playing mostly as the three is pretty good. He's going to play as the four a lot for um, Miami, and I think that's probably good for him. Uh and and I'm just like he's very TBD for me. If he has a really good year, I could see myself having him per first round probably not, but like I could see myself having him very high. But there's also a chance that he's just not someone I'm interested in much at all. Um Garrett, do you kind of want to move on to your next guy?
1: Uh sure. I would like to talk about AJ Mitchell at UC Santa Barbara. Um I I think right off the bat since there might probably one of the lesser known guys on our list. Uh, He's a six, five, mostly on ball guard. He grew up in Belgium now playing uh, in the big West. Uh, I was surprised that he didn't transfer up this year, but I think he's in a great uh, environment for to showcase his game at UC Santa Barbara, uh, where he's allowed to get a lot of on ball reps. What catches your attention immediately with AJ Mitchell uh, is his passing ability off the bounce. He has beautiful skip passes. He, he can drive and kick with a lot of defensive gravity generated from the way he drives. He can con- He's like a major contortionist who can playmake in the air in, in addition to on the ground. Uh, he combines that on-ball playmaking ability with some really smart and like sometimes reactive lane navigation skills, like the ability to weave in between defenders and get to the rim consistently. I think he's a decent athlete by NBA standards, too, which, you know, mid-major guard, you tend to expect them to be kind of subpar. He's a pretty good athlete. Uh, And I would have bet him on him being able to be a driver at the next level from the guard spot. Um, The handle overall though is fairly average for a guard, but he has the building blocks to get the most out of it. Being patient, being very fluid body move, like body wise, fluid mover, uh, great floor vision. So he never really dribbles himself into trouble and he can sustain drives from the uh, uh, three point line to the rim. Defensively, my notes are pretty short on him. He has a high motor, chasing after loose balls, no sort of positionally, but I don't think he necessarily changes the game on that side of the floor. You're really hoping that he can be a really good on-ball engine off the bench, I think is kind of the ideal sell for him. And to me, he's one of the definitive if he shoots prospects. This is really the reason partly why he hasn't really gotten a lot of national claim yet as a prospect is that his three-point ball has not come along just yet. Post has good free throw numbers, but his three-point mechanics are kind of questionable. The base is pretty wide. The elbow flares out a lot on his through ball. I think that could be corrected a bit to make him a more appealing prospect. I haven't heard about how a shot has come along just yet, but so far the record that we have is not a great shooter. So if a team looks at him and thinks his shooting mechanics can be turned around, uh, I think he's worth the investment because as a two-way guard, uh, mostly offense, but, you know, does the right things defensively. He can bring the ball up, attack the rim, find opportunities for others, but can also uh, create for himself, and he has a deep bag. So if he shows shooting progression, I think he's a draftable guy.
2: So, so that, uh, oh, go the, ahead, Coop. sorry, the, the 82% free throw on nearly 190 attempts last season is pretty crazy. Like an 80% career free throw shooter, nearly 300 attempts. Uh, he's getting to the line. He's creating good looks for himself. He, like, basically willed that UCSB team into the tournament and made them competitive. Uh, I mean, we can talk about Miles Norris all we want and, you know, whoever else. But that's A.J. Mitchell's team. And, uh, like, the assist percentage, he's the reason that team worked. Um, uh, Just another guy who, you know, can make the right play. Solidly athletic. He's pretty big. Um, I really like his game. I I do think the three point shot will come around. I don't I don't I I don't know why it wouldn't, but I don't know why it hasn't already is my big issue. Um, so it's kind of worrying, but uh yeah, like you said, if if that three point shot can just hit like anything near, you know, 35% even, I'm like this guy, he's just a guy, right? Like he's smart, he makes the right play, he does good stuff, he does good shit on the floor, and that's the kind of guy you want on your team.
1: And I see UCSB looking a lot similar to how they did last year. They br- they're bringing in Johan Traor, uh, who I see just playing the exact same role that Miles Norris did this last season as a guy, uh, pick and pop guy, basically short roll stuff. Um, so I think the offense is going to look pretty similar. So, you know, AJ Mitchell is already going to have that comfort level. It's going to be a lot of the same and hopefully the efficiency from the perimeter gets better. Hopefully maybe he adds a little more mid-range looks in there. Don't see a lot of mid-range looks from him uh, so far, so just a little bit more versatility from away the, away from the basket because we already know he can do that. So I'm quite a bit
0: lower on Mitchell than you guys. Um, I don't. I, I'm not. I don't want to come across super negative. I I think that there's some stuff to like there, but um, he's one of those guys to me who I think was in a conference that he has built to dominate. There's no one in the Big West that can really handle him. And yet, he's still doing a lot of little things that bug me. Like, some of this is probably like my disdain for jump passing, but he jump passes all the time. And it drives me absolutely bonkers. You're playing in the Big West and you're a 6'5 point guard. You do not need to jump to throw a corner skip, just throw it on the ground like a normal person. Um, I think that uh, while his finishing numbers were good, I don't think I project him as like a good finisher. Like, only one dunk, like, yeah like UC Santa Barbara did not have plus spacing uh and again, like they didn't play very fast but I, at the same time like one dunk in the big west does kind of worry me um you know as a six five guy uh I, I think comparing him to like um I can't remember the other guy on his team um oh that's gonna drive me nuts now uh josh P- Jean Pierre Louis something like that uh Josh Pierre louis yeah uh he probably had at least I would say probably like 10 without looking it up, Um, but I I, I don't hate Mitchell, and I I also, like, my notes on his defense were that I thought he was kind of lost a lot, and while I don't think he's a bad defender, he's just not one that I, I I, I don't know, I'm really confident in, but you're right that, like, he's the type of player who I think could have, like, a big tournament run, and they go, um, I don't know, they go to the Sweet 16, they go to the wherever and and he has a really good stretch and he's kind of getting those looks um I'm still going to think of a guy who, ha- who that's happened for recently but every once in a while you see that right a, a team goes on a, a a run and kind of helps one guy get noticed and then everyone kind of falls into line but I do think he probably would have been helped with
1: uh transferring up Garrett do you have any final thoughts on AJ before we move on I think he's pretty well covered. I I would say of the five guys I'm going to talk about, probably the guy I'm lowest on, mainly because it's tough for me to make wild shooting projections without evidence. So to me, he's an if-he-shoots guy through and through, and I'm just going to wait and see how it looks this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. I want to talk about Will
0: Richard, and Richard is someone who I really liked at Belmont. I probably would have advocated for taking him, not like absurdly high, but like, you know, drafting him after his one year at Belmont transfers to Florida last year. I was so excited for that Florida team. I thought they were going to be maybe the best defense in college basketball with him, Fudge and Castleton. I thought they were, things were really going to click and, you know, they were going to run everything through Castleton on offense. And Richard's just one of those guys just knows where to be. Fudge was a good cutter. Um, I think it really all fell apart because Lofton was really not the guy at point to build that team around Um, But Kugel was also not ready. So they were kind of left with this just like huge gap. Plus then obviously their best player gets hurt. Um, But I do think Richard's coming in at a good spot. So he's 6'4". I believe I read that he has a 6'9 wingspan. I believe I've heard that, but uh, I could be off an inch or two there. Uh, 20 years old, he'll turn 21 uh, in December. So his rookie season will be his age 22 season uh, if he leaves after this year. Um, But for me, the sell is... Offensive player who can really shoot and just kind of knows where to be. While the shooting numbers aren't elite, I do think, like, especially Belmont, he took quite a few tough ones. Uh, shot 39.8% at um Florida on, you know, a higher volume of just kind of pure catch and shoots. I wish he took a little bit more. 8.2 uh three point rate is not great, but it's not horrible. And I think there's something there. Um, just Like really good cutter, pretty solid athlete, had 10 dunks last year, shot 68.5% at the rim. Not like a playmaker at all, but like can put the ball on the ground. And I do like that he's at least an efficient decision maker, isn't someone who's just like throwing the ball away at all. Um, And then I really like his defense. I think his defense is hit or miss. And um, he definitely has a lot of what I would call lapses in judgment. But he also has some real instincts, I think. And for me, I like to bet on guys with instincts. Um, I thought transferring from a place where he was kind of playing as the four without a rim protector behind him to playing as a 2-3 with a rim protector behind him, he was just a little bit out of his depth at first. But I think he'll get there defensively. So you're kind of talking about a 3-and-D, you know, good off-ball player, at the two or the three, he, while he's only four, he is strong. I think he could play some three in the NBA sort of in a, you know, prime Etuan Moore type of way. Um, and I think that, you know, his offensive game will translate. So am I, like, absurdly high on Richard? No, but he's one of those guys, maybe the easiest guy of anyone we're going to talk about other than one of Garrett's guys who we haven't got to yet. Maybe the one who has the easiest, like, oh, I see what he looks like in the NBA translation to me. So, Garrett Coop, you guys have any thoughts on on Richard? He just fucks, man. Like, it's as simple
2: as that. Like, I I don't know. You sold Richard pretty well. Uh, I'm really happy that we got to see him play kind of his game, but it was damaging for his stock to be stuck, you know, with Castleton and then. What the fuck is Fudge doing? What does the four situation look like? Their whole point guard situation was weird. And then at the end of the year, it's just like, okay, Kugel, just go do whatever the hell you want. Um, I, I think it, he just had a weird year and I thought he really thrived in his role, uh, but you're not going to get NBA looks at a 15 and a half usage unless you're like on some, you know, a, a national champion contender. Right. Um. I, I do really like his field. Great, like connector, kind of just like a prototypical nice, that boy nice on the wing. Um, I, I think he can really play the three just because, like you said, Bryce, he is really strong um, and he's smart. Like he can do a couple different things on the defensive end without getting like completely killed. He can kind of rotate at the rim because he played the four some, um, you know, he can play a little bit of point of attack. He, he's not going to get completely bowled over on switches, Uh, I'm a big big fan of his and I really hope that he's able to play a bigger role this year and show NBA teams what he can do
1: I don't have a lot to add but Bryce you talked about uh, Florida not necessarily having the right point guard for their personnel last year they're bringing in Walter Clayton uh, they've got some other guys coming in I'm not as familiar with like Zion Poland, for example Uh, I don't necessarily think of kugel is being a guy who i would want to play point guard in fact i think that would be kind of disastrous uh for their offense so i'm curious do you think clayton is the answer there do you think he's going to make the florida offense look a lot more uh fluid this season yes but they're also losing castleton and that'll really hurt them so i think it
0: kind of equals out like uh what clayton would have been perfect for them last year to the extent that Like I really think if they had Clayton or someone of that ilk last year, they could have been like a top 10, 15 team. That probably sounds crazy to some, but uh, Lofton really just hurt them by not being a good pick and roll creator or being a good spacer. Um, But uh, yeah, Clayton is a good spacer, and he's also a pretty competent pick and roll playmaker, but you're losing that like extra hub that Castleton was, and I'm not sure they have a guy to really replace that. Uh, So I feel like Richard is going to be asked to kind of be a little bit of a wing shot creator at times. Uh, I'm interested to see how that goes. That might hurt his efficiency, but um, you know, I, I I think he can be all right in that. But Clayton, I like. It's just too bad that it
1: couldn't all click at the right time. I suppose. Um, I think that's about okay. I think again. I think I'm in the same boat as a crazy person who thought Florida was maybe a top fifteen last team last year going into the season, and I was very quickly proven wrong. Our... Yeah, yeah, we were we were very basic. high on them. We were very high on them,
0: but yeah, it was. I mean, I, I think it was just, like, the top of that roster was, like, legitimately interesting and good enough. But, guys, like, they had too many players who were active negatives with Lofton, with Kawachi Reeves, uh, you know, with kind of guys like that. Like, too many guys who were just active negatives as decision makers to really be a part of an offense like that. Um,
1: it was also yeah. incredibly ambitious for Todd Golden. First year on the job at Florida after being at San Fran to bring in a ton of transfers, a ton of guys with – there are a lot of guys who were the guy at their school before transferring over. It's just a lot of things to have go right in the first year. So maybe this year it just looks a little more organized as the season begins.
0: I hope so, but I think they're kind of doing it again. Like Poland's kind of like that too. And and I think he, you know, for this team to succeed, Poland should come off the bench, right? It should be uh Richard and and Kugel and Clayton starting, but you have Poland coming in who is a super senior and is transferring up presumably because he wants a better NBA look, you would think. And um, I don't think Poland's I, – I, I'm not here or there on him. I would have loved him could he have come to like Pullman. But in, you know, Florida, I think it's a bit more iffy. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Coop, do you kind of want to go to your next guy?
2: Yeah. Uh, I. This is the guy I mentioned at the top, the guy who I felt contractually obliged to talk about, because uh, this is Stone's guy, uh, Judah Mintz uh, Syracuse legend. Uh, we talked about him on the pod, uh, last year. So, you know, uh, the the diehard fans of you should, you know, you should know everything about his game already and we can just move on from the segment. But, you know, for those of you that don't care about us or don't like us, you know, he's a, a smaller guard, uh, who's like, has a lot of like really aesthetic stuff going on. Some of like some pretty crazy eye popping numbers, uh, the 27.2 assist rate, to 15.5 turnover makes him like look like he's just like oh he's this cool backup point guard bed who's kind of shifty he's kind of got some touch to him kind of got some funk uh and you know 3.2 steal rate but he played in the in the zone um I wouldn't even really say he was like that <laughs> that good at playing in the zone he just was in it so the steal rate is is you know jacked up uh, I think he's an all right shooter I, I I just wish he actually like took threes ever in his life he only took 66 and i i think his touch is all right um you know he generates a ton of rim pressure on his own on a decently well-spaced team and that's kind of the sell like he can make super basic reads uh just basically out of an isolation out of a basic pick and roll and do pretty simple stuff and i think that makes him a solid backup point guard bet especially if the three-point shot comes around and you know if he can bump it up from you know, 30% on 66 attempts up to, you know, if he can get that to 34, 35% next year on, you know, 150, 120, you know, somewhere in that range of attempts, instead of taking 190 long twos, um, I I think he'll be in a lot better of a spot as a prospect. Um, His process isn't great. He's not like crazy. And I'm really interested to see how he looks, in a real defensive scheme, next to another real prospect in JJ Starling, uh, but I I think he could be a semi interesting point guard bet if you know that's if he's your flavor of backup point guard.
0: Uh, Garrett, do you want to take this one first?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm personally not a huge Judamints guy. I think you put it nailed on the head when he said he has to be your flavor of backup point guard. To me he's an all or nothing type player where he needs to have the ball in his hands to do anything. If, if he's creating looks for others, you got the ball because he created look for you. If he scores the ball, it's because he created it on his own. I I don't see a lot of like fitting within a scheme Instead, the scheme has to be built around him. So he's kind of a bit inflexible in that way. I think this year with JJ Starling is really pivotal. I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's entering the draft no matter what, after almost entering this year. But you know, playing next to like a really good, another really good college guard, potential prospect in his own right. Uh, you're talking about a guy who just needs to be able to take his foot off the gas at times. Uh, and defensively, needs to like with maybe scaled back usage next to another competent guard. Maybe with scaled back usage, he doesn't have the same excuse for like kind of taking plays off defensively too often. Uh, to me, I, I, I just need to see a lot of improvement in the process from Mintz before I would get excited about him. But I can certainly see some teams that like this type of player drafting him a lot higher than I would. So, yeah, I, I
0: think he'll go, I mean, fairly high. For me, I just don't think Mintz is really all that good. Like, if I'm, to to be blunter than Garrett was, like, um, I I agree that he's all or nothing, but I don't think the all really pops to me. Like I I think the handle is super herky jerky, but it doesn't really flow from move to move to allow him to like glide downhill. He's not an uber athlete. He doesn't have great bend. Um, so he's very reliant on like really pounding the the air out of the ball to actually generate rim pressure. I think, and um, I tend to prefer guys who can kind of either do it quickly or can like run a run a nice pick and roll. And he doesn't really do either. Um, I think he's a a very bad passer except for when he makes like flashy passes and it's one of those where it's like I don't know how to quantify that because like he does throw some really nice passes and like obviously a 27.2% assist rate to a 15.5% turnover rate pretty positive but I just don't think he's an actual like great court mapper and then yeah like the defensive motor stuff and he just doesn't really move me that much Um, but I, I He's probably someone who can at least, like, I, I think Garrett said it this way. I can't remember if he said it before the pod or just now, uh, but he can at least survive on an NBA court probably, and that's worth something. But I don't know what he does to actually, like, help a team win or contribute positively in a rotation. Um, I would also say he's probably a very bad shooter. Um, I'm pretty confident in that. Even though, like, he shot okay on a super high volume of long twos, um Coop do you have any uh do you have any final thoughts before we move on? Um
2: you're evil. Um you're you're both bad people and uh he rocks. No, I like I definitely like agree. I don't think he's even like someone who I would be super crazy into uh as like a, a bet, but I I if the shoot if the shot is there the shot is real and he, you know, can be a pull up three point shooter. That's at least a guy worth taking just off of talent and see if you can fix some of the worst habits and see like, is he anything in my, you know, in my G league system? And is there anything worth developing there? Uh, And that's, that's worth talking about.
1: All right. Well, I think this one, this player, I think the cell is going to be pretty short here. I think it's very straightforward. I'm, I'm talking about Tyler Kolek at Marquette. Um, one of the two stars in the two man game of Tyler Kolek and Oso Iguodaro there at Marquette last year the cell is very simple. He's a passing genius. The dictionary definition of a point guard, a guy who finds looks for others all over the court. I feel like I'm watching a EuroLeague offense when he's running that two man game with Oso and the creativity on his pass is a consistent ability to hit tight windows is an actual elite skill. I'm not using the word elite lightly. I think it really is an elite skill with Kolek. The the concern is that that's pretty much the entire cell. (laughs) He he profiles as just like an average to below average shooter. Uh, I don't actually love the shot mechanics. That might even be a little less optimistic than that. Um, With just okay foot speed, he relies on craft really heavily. Uh, to get him t- towards the rim. He doesn't finish well at the rim. I think it's partly why he's become such a great passer is because of those limitations. He's had to find a way to earn his earn his keep. Uh, I guess it depends on your draft philosophy a bit with him, whether or not you're willing to bet on players with a of level of athleticism and the de- defensive questions that kind of come up from that. Uh, I personally think he's worth the gamble. I think I would have taken him, you know, mid to high second round last year he skipped the draft process entirely from my understanding Uh, so we haven't really gotten that feedback from teams yet of, of where he might go but to me I just in that second round if I could potentially get a guy who can lead a second unit maybe play occasionally with the first unit guys as an unselfish player who just gets other guys open consistently every time he touches the ball I'm willing to take that bet and understand that there's just the chance that it just doesn't work
0: yeah, I feel like no matter what, Kalik is one of those guys who I feel like could stick around just because teams like to have a third guard who could be this competent. But I, I'm not sure there's like much ceiling there. But you're right; like the passing is legitimately, uh, pretty special. And uh, I, I think it's funny like what type of passers draft Twitter tends to latch to and which ones they don't. I think um, someone like Travion Williams is really popular on draft Twitter, right? And I did not like Travion Williams. It's because I thought Travion was you could make a really fun like video pointing out all his reads, right? But he wasn't an efficient passer. And I think Kolek is like ruthlessly efficient and just that he will spam the correct pass every time. Uh, If you're going to leave just a little like over the top lob to a cutter open every time, he will make that pass. If you're going to leave the skip to the wing that can then become a plus one to the corner open, he will make that skip to the wing. And I, I really do like that. I think he'd be a pretty competent pick and roll player against backup units. Um, there's very little upside for him to like, for me to be like a starter because I don't think the defense will be good enough. I don't think he will be a good enough scorer, Um, And I don't think that like uh, the shooting will be good enough to make him like an off ball player, but I could definitely see him carving out a role. And you also sometimes just see it with like guys like this. I don't know how to explain it, but like, for some reason, lots of times these like genius caliber point guards, sometimes just develop shots later. Like, I feel like that's, I don't know how to explain it, but I just feel like it's something that happens but as soon as they're like, "Oh, I have to shoot." Okay, well, I've always just adapted to what I have to do to play. Like, and, and that's kind of why I believed in Josh Giddey a little bit. It's because I'm like, oh, "I'll just figure it out." Like at a certain point, when you're that smart, um, so maybe collecting it to a, to a point where he's a pretty plus shooter. Uh, while the defense is bad, like he is is legitimately anticipatory. He understands his limitations well. Uh, that 3.2 steal rate, obviously, some of that's the press, but I think a lot of that is that he just has good feel. Coop, have you seen much of Colec or, uh, you know, are we selling you on him or or what you're at? Uh, So
2: I'm not like the crazy. I didn't watch a ton of Marquette, but this guy, he's a grifter, man. And uh, I love it. If you're going to give him something and he can just spam that shit over and over and over again and he'll find multiple ways to beat you. uh, He just like randomly learned how to draw fouls this year. Uh, Like he just figures shit out. He's really smart. And that's the kind of guy I'm going to bet on. Like he's, he's just going to figure out how to do shit. It's a, uh, you know, very different, but like uh, Arkansas, Jalen Williams, it's like, Oh, he's not going to be able to get away with the charge drawing stuff. And it's like, well, he, he's actually just really smart and he's going to figure out some way to be effective. And, you know, especially if I'm just betting on a guy in the second round to uh, you know, just be something I I want to bet on somebody who has an outlier you know, an outlier trait. And and I really think that Kolek is, you know, an outlier field, outlier passer level guy. Uh, And that's probably like, I think probably the second most interesting skill that we'll talk about with any of these guys for me behind just like Terrence Arsenault's ground coverage and just like, fuck you on teleporting, right? Like it's genuinely just, really impressive and incredible the kind of you know brain he has but it's it's a he's funky you know not like a superstar crazy bad but he's he's cool and that's my favorite kind of guy
0: yeah all right let's move on uh to my next guy i of course i had to sneak a coogan here y'all knew it was coming uh and that's Kamoni hunsu uh i believe i'm saying that right again french pronunciation's just a complete mess for me um spanish all the way uh, but yeah, uh, Kamani is a six 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 five six six uh, kind of shooting guard type. Uh, January 6th, on the fourth birthday, he's 19 years old. He'll turn 20 in January's rookie season. Should he leave after next year, would be his age 21 season. Um, the sell for Kamani, 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 I don't know. I've said it a million different ways all the time. I always mess it up. Uh, it, he they will kill me for it if, if the staff ever listens to this podcast. Um, but Hunsu is a, he's someone who really popped to me at FIBA last year. And I was watching FIBA for city Soko and for Ryan repair. And I'm like, damn, who's this point guard averaging like eight assists per game. Who is outplaying, you know, two guys who got drafted in the forties or whatever. Um, and then it turns out two weeks later, he signed his letter of intent to WSU and I was like, what the fuck? Like I was, so I, I've never been ta- more taken aback by a WCU recruitment. WCU has gotten, you know, quote unquote, bigger recruits with guys like, you know, Diong and, and, you know, even Muhammad Gay, but like, I've never been more just like completely blown out of the water by a WSU recruiting than when they got Kamani Hunsu because I, I watched this guy out for him, two people who I thought, were, you know, somewhat draftable. I didn't end up loving Repair or Sissoko that much, but uh, I thought he played better than them in FIBA. And then comes WSU, it's a bit of a weird system that he doesn't really fit well in. Kind of plays some limited minutes, uh, was really inefficient, especially as a decision maker, 28.2% turnover rate. Uh, Very ambitious. He also, I mean, I will say, he played in only 41.1% of WSU's minutes and had 11 dunks. Um, When you look at his, like, total minutes, um, I can't do math. 16.4 Six, times 34. It's not that many to have 11 dunks in that amount of time is pretty crazy. Wasn't efficient at the rim on non dunks at all, but still. Um, for me, the sell is he's really athletic, like he's really fast in a straight line, explosive off of one foot. I want to say he has an elite first step, but he has a, a pretty solid first step and really good explosion at the rim. Can even get up off two, like WSU, even occasionally used him in the dunker spot. While well, he didn't like catch lobs like these crazy dunks. He could like get a rebound, load up quickly off to go up for a dunk. And he's also an incredibly ambitious passer. Um and I think he can be a good passer in the FIBA stuff he showed good passing. WSU ran a very slow, very methodical offense that was not built for him. Like he needs to play a bit more up tempo. And I hope WC will do that if they don't as much as it would pain me like he should transfer because he needs to play in an up tempo offense where he's pushing the ball. Um, But I think that he could really excel there as a play finisher and a playmaker in transition. um, The shot is a complete mess. It's really far away right now. It's this little like thing where both his elbows kind of like come together and it's just released from the top of his head with just an arm flick. It kind of looks like how like some like big men shoot where it's just right above their forehead and it's all wrist. Um, That's his, that's how his shot looks. He was not a good free throw shooter. Um, But I just think that he is really interesting. I I don't know. I'm still in love with that FIBA tape. I still think there's something there. The handle's a bit robotic again, but I I just, I don't know. Garrett, I know you're kind of a little more indifferent, but I I, I, Coop, I don't know if you've seen him at all, but just someone that athletic with that type of passing upside. And he's also a very good defender. Like he's big and he's strong, gets really into it at the point of attack, Um, definitely sells out. For for steals and blocks sometimes when he shouldn't, but did have a two point five block rate, you know, at WCU as a freshman. So I just think there's something there, even if
1: right now it's kind of all a bit of a mess. Yeah, I th- I think there's something to be said about the point you made about maybe the Washington State offense last year not being their best fit for him stylistically. I, I definitely felt like watching through some of his tape recently that I didn't really – he did seem kind of like fish out of water in that offense where I didn't feel like he was comfortable. Still felt like he was pressing his game a little bit. So maybe this year where the personnel looks a little different, the offense is a little different, maybe, maybe they'll feature him a little more and I can get a better idea of what you were seeing. I haven't seen the FIBA tape myself. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I definitely think the athleticism pops on tape. So that, that those are the building blocks that you're hoping for. Uh, that that he can build upon them quickly and start to look more like a prospect in year two. Yeah.
2: uh, I don't really have much else to add. You guys kind of like he's really athletic and he's really funky whenever he like actually gets to do the stuff that he's good at, but he wasn't really able to last year. Uh, It was a really weird year for WSU for, you know, there was so much weird shit going on with that team. So many injuries, Different guys trying to play themselves back into shape. So much different, just bullshit. Uh, I hope that he's really able to, you know, he's like the guy. My dog is, of course, making disgusting noises. But, uh, like, I he's going to be one of the guys this year, I think. And I hope he's
0: really able to show
2: out.
0: Yeah, I hope. I mean, I have no idea what two is like. Rotations are going to look like, right? They brought in another point guard. And I was kind of hoping Kamani would just be the point guard. Um, you know, Yasubu can shoot a little bit, maybe, but uh obviously DJ Rodman left for USC. And you know, are they gonna play two big? If, if they play two bigs, then I think Kamani's really gonna be out on an island. If they don't, if they just play one big, I think Kamani could look really good, and I think. And a lot will depend on how he looks to to the staff in you know training camp and stuff, and if they feel like he's worthy to be kind of empowered. Coop, we each got two guys left. It's up to you. You're the man. Um, I'll I'll go with
2: my main Mongolian man, Mike Sharov jumps. Uh, thank you. You guys can all stop clapping for my great alliteration. Um, he's six eight. Played for uh, Dayton last year. He's going to be playing at uh, San Francisco this year. I'm expecting a really big year for him. They're, the flashes are like insane. <laughs> um, he didn't play I mean, he played 54% of their minutes. It didn't feel like he played a ton, but he can really pass for someone as big as him. He's got great feel. I I feel like I buy the shot just from the aesthetics of it, but I, I mean, the numbers don't super back me up and I'm not, you know, I'm the least qualified aesthetic based, you know, shooting evaluator here. So I, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. But I I think no matter what, there's real shift in the handle. He can really pass. He's got great feel for the game. He can do some stuff on the defensive end just with his length. Uh, he was super young and sometimes he looked like out of his depth, you know, playing last year at Dayton. But the games where he really puts it together, it's like, how? Why is this guy not playing every single minute? He looks unstoppable. How? How do you even stop a guy who moves like this, who passes like this, who can you can do the stuff he does? Um, he's a ton of fun, and he I think he's gonna kill it um, for San Francisco next year. Like he's just he's he's a killer, and I don't think he got the chance to show it with like two bigs. You know the the weird ass shit going on at Dayton last year, and. I, he, he's I've loved him for the last two years I I loved his you know his film coming in uh into Dayton last year and I was really excited I was like oh we're gonna get to see some real like pick and roll stuff we'll get to see him with a real play finisher uh and when we did get to see it it was cool but I, I didn't think we got enough of it uh so hopefully you know San Francisco can can turn that around
1: yeah, for me, I, I think he had two problems that are pretty typical of freshmen, but not really typical of freshmen that you're hoping get drafted as a freshman. Number one, felt like he was way too in his head about mistakes he was making last year. It, it, oftentimes when he would have a bad turnover, he would kind of disappear in their offense last year. I need to see, you talk about the killer instinct. He's definitely got it when he, when his motor is running. So it, he really just needs to get more confident in the, and be more willing to make those mistakes and play through them. Uh, I think, in year two. The other thing is he came in just way too skinny, way too slight, uh, it, really getting bullied by by older players, uh, I think, off the bounce. And just at a level where I don't think teams could, even though he tested last year, I don't think teams could justify bringing in a guy at his weight and his athletic level at this point. They're, they're really counting on him to reshape his body at the college level. Um, so for me, I, yeah, I get really excited by the flashes too. I uh, can definitely see why he had the, the hype that he had coming out of high school. Uh, I, I worry about the San Francisco fit a little bit. I'm not sure if they have it. I I don't love the personnel surrounding him. No disrespect. I just don't really like nobody on San Francisco's team last year who's still on the team this year really flashed to me as a guy who could be a second option. Um, so it might just be a lot of Mike having to cook with not a lot of support. So a lot of question marks still. I still believe in the tools uh, that he'll be working off of, but it just, I don't know when it's going to come together. I don't know if it'll be this year or in the future. Yeah.
0: You know, I think some of my, some of the worry is that he is kind of old for someone to be as physically undeveloped as he is. Um, He was a year older than everyone. He technically would have been eligible for the 2022 NBA draft. Um, So, you know, kind of keep that in mind. I do think he'll be, really good at san francisco san francisco is like the perfect spot for him um the one thing there is like he's a point forward but he's not like jordan hall which i like you know where jordan hall was like i'm gonna back you down doesn't really have any shift like mongolian mike is legitimately like really kind of slinky and shifty and can really bend and 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 you know he shifts his weight really well which is really important um You know, whether he can actually be like a pick and roll point guard is probably a little TPD, but I think he could be like, even at the NBA level, I think he could come in and kind of have like that Joe Engel sixth man career where it's like, he's running pick and roll as like a six, eight forward. And that's something I just really buy. Um, I will, uh, if he just has like a solid year, really like, like looks like a solid playmaker playing in a good system for him. I could see myself having him first rounder next year, which some of that is that next, next year is kind of a weak class, but some of that's also just that I, I do like his game a lot.
1: Um, Garrett, you want to get to your uh, second-to-last guy here? Sure. Uh, this is actually, even though he's my second-to-last guy, he's probably the one I'm most excited to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about WooGa Poplar at Miami. Um, 6'5", Philly guard. Uh, second second
0: miami hurricane we're talking about by the way
1: yeah it's gonna be a fun team man i think everyone's a little bit excited after march but you know that there's they've still got a lot of talent on that roster and they brought some new talent in um really only started to get attention last season around the tournament partly because of the minutes his minutes weren't really consistent throughout the season until like towards the end of conference play into the tournament so i don't think people really got to see more than just the occasional flash from him early on and and their first introduction to him was at the tournament uh what immediately stands out to me with lugo poplar first is the awesome name and then second is the pulp jumper tools uh i think in the mid-range he's just a killer he gets a lot of lift on the shot he's very shifty already so it's really hard to like be on him when he's getting into that load up uh high release point in addition to that lift clean mechanics and the load up is so fast like it it's I think a lot of players, they have to have their shot mechanics sped up as a pro. And he's already got those really fast shot mechanics that I really love. Uh, Three ball looks good, too, even though the base can sometimes be kind of fairly wide for me on the catch and shoot. And I don't know that he's always necessarily ready on the catch and shoot. But again, he's got that super quick load up that he can get away with it. Um, I don't think he utilizes it. Yet enough yet, but I really think that he could have one of the more potent rip throughs of any guard prospect just based off those tools I've described. A guy who you just have to uh, keep him honest off the bounce because his first step is incredible. Uh, so to be able to just like quickly bring it from the ball from one side to the other, he's really great at it. And to know that his jumper is going to go up so quickly that his first step is going to kill you, I think he just can, he can beat you in a ton of different ways. Um, and it's just about doing that more consistently this next year rather than needing to clean it up at all. Uh, I think his driving ability gives you a lot to be excited about. Uh, he can maintain his handle despite being really explosive and getting really low to the ground. Uh, I think it's very notable. I would describe his driving style as kind of like controlled but hurried, where he doesn't lose the ball off the bounce, but he can tend to arrive at the rim without enough of a plan and just kind of rely on athleticism to finish over guys. I think that's going to need to change a little bit. He's going to need to be a little bit more controlled uh, around the rim in addition to his already controlled handle. I, I do think that he has some balance issues, though, uh, that come with some of that really downhill style. Uh, he, he struggles to take a bump at times on both ends of the floor, both trying to get around screens and uh, driving to the rim so you can have some pretty wild wipeouts like on the floor. It just kind of goes flying uh it might be just inherent to the way that he moves around the court because he he has really long athletic strides but overall I'm really excited about him as that guy who, who's got triple threat potential uh defensively really high motor seeks out deflections really denies a lot of entry passes well tries to give help whenever possible I think at times to a fault uh Miami's defensive scheme last year is weird man I, I started diving into their tape defensively more. It is strange. I think it's really hard to evaluate because they were so small that they were having all of their guys, all their low men were basically tasked to leave their man as the low man come over and give excessive help so that guys couldn't get to the rim and finish over their shorter shorter personnel and in addition they needed to crash the boards really hard so guys were looking to see if shots were going up but in addition to that i know i'm giving a lot of caveats i think we really needs to work on his where his eyes are on the floor defensively way too much ball watching in addition to what the scheme already demanded and i think that he just kind of let his guy just drive right by him on a post so often on cuts off ball he really needs to learn how to be able to cheat looks rather than just like give away looks I, i guess is the best way to put it but I think athletically he's got the potential to be really good on ball. Um, And I think I'm just really curious to see uh, how much more uh, opportunity he gets at Miami. We just talked about Matthew Cleveland wanting to get more reps too. There's going to be a lot of mouse to feed on ball. Does Wuga get that or does he continue to be more of like a one dribble, two dribble pull-up guy off, off other people creating for him, or will he get more of that responsibility? I'm not sure. So I'm I'm really curious to see how y'all land on Wuga. So, Luga, I was first exposed to not because I watched him in high school,
0: but because before his freshman year we had uh PD Webb on the pod, and he was like, Yeah, he's like, What if Anthony Edwards didn't grow up playing football? And I was like, What does that mean? And I kind of get it now, right? Where it's like, I mean, his first step is like eerily reminiscent of Anthony Edwards, I I would say. Um, he's obviously not as strong, but I also do like that he's not he doesn't settle so much, like you mentioned that he drives out of control, and he does. And he definitely needs to get more comfortable, like, slowing himself down near the rim. But at the same time, I prefer that, like, I'm going to fucking get there to let me, even though I can get there, let me take, like, this, like, Tween Hezzy midi or whatever. Like, I, I, I like that he likes to get downhill. Um, His free throw rate was surprisingly low. I think he's really contact avoidant. That's something that, like, that's probably my main issue with his game is that, he has to learn to seek contact more because he should be getting in line all the time. That's, and that's something you can learn. Like, I think Jalen Green has proved to me, like, you can get good at that. Uh, he's, not that Jalen Green's great, but he did so much better that this year than he did his rookie year. And, um, you know, is kind of a similar athletic profile. This will probably seem a bit crazy. I think there's a world where Wuga Poplar is like the highest scorer in the NCAA <laughs> this year not, not that it's a hundred percent going to happen or anything, but there is a world where he's playing without spacing. He's kind of replacing Isaiah Wong's usage in some ways and everything just clicks for him. Like the shot is falling. Um, I do agree that like the base on catch and shoots is, is really rough in terms of not even just that it's always wide, but that it's inconsistent. Uh, But the pull-up shot looks good. I think he could maybe even start extending that out to three a bit more. Like, you know, teams are going to try and go under him if he's running a pick and roll. I think he has some legitimate shift. Um, the defense is is a complete TBD to me. He barely guarded the point of attack at all. Um, and his low man stuff, obviously, I mean, they're basically like doing like the, the no middle low man where it's like, just get all the way to the other block. And you just can't take anything away from that really. Um, but yeah, he Ball watches a lot. Um, ball or man watches, like like he he just doesn't, He struggles to like see two things at once. Uh, I think that shows up with his passing too. I don't think he's a bad passer. He's kind of a mess. I struggle to like give proper evaluation to guards like him, like where it's like bucket getters are something I've always struggled with. I've always struggled to really determine like what level of bucket getter I like. like. I was very high on like a Cam Thomas and a lot of smart people weren't very high on him. And I was really low on you know, I guess like a James Booknight. That one worked out for me. I was really low on Anthony Edwards. I still am really low on Anthony Edwards. And a lot of people, I, I'm still low on Devin Booker. Like people will kill me for that. People do kill me for that. Cause I'm still like, I don't know what value he actually provides to like actually like championship caliber teams. Like he's obviously good, but like when it comes down to a, you know, building a good playoff offense, like how good, like I struggle with bucket getters. I just do. And Wooga is a bucket getter, but I, I think he's a very good one, a very fun one. I would say probably the the guy I would put the money on to go the highest of anyone we're talking about today. Uh, Coop, I know you're a big Wuga guy as well. Take it away. Yeah, he's uh
2: he's he's not just a a bucket getter. He's a funky bucket getter. So he gets a uh, he gets a lot more uh you know he gets a lot more appreciation around here. Uh, I he at least gives effort on defense, and I think that's one of the big things for me. Like it's hard to like how actually good is he he's a mega fucking athlete who tries really hard so he gets you know the benefit of the doubt for now until i'm like truly able to get a hold on it um like i mean there's not too much else to add i i hope that you know he starts trying to draw contact more because he is super strong and if he can just like stick his shoulder into somebody when he's going up for like putbacks or layups or just like those random cuts that Miami's going to run and all, you know, the crazy shit that that they're going to do next year. You can just put his shoulder into the guy instead of just avoiding him and going around him. That's a free extra three points a game for him. And it's just easy ways like that to make yourself a more valuable player, especially when you're, you know, as strong and as, as smart as he is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan. I think he's, I was, like, actually pissed at Garrett and when he took him from me in this exercise because he's, like, one of my favorite watches of anybody, like, in the NCAA, not just of, like, guys we were going to talk about, but just, like, he's so much fun to watch, and I, I think he's going to be really good at the next level if, you know, if everything can start to click and he can really get the usage, you know, and fill that usage hole for Miami. It'll be weird, especially with also, like, you know, Matty Cleaves coming in, uh, you know, still... You know Miami's paying everybody tons of money to come in and show their stuff, and it's it's going to be weird, but we've seen it work, and I I think Wuga is a big part of that, and he should he should get some more recognition for that.
0: Garrett, before we move on, I do want to ask you, like, how high do you think you'll end up with Wuga next year if he has like a season that are in line with your expectations? How high do you think you'll have him?
1: Yes, I didn't really like. I, I remember repeatedly messaging people like, man, Wugo Poplar is really good last year, but I didn't ever actually scout him specifically until this off season. And I, now that I look at it, I was like, man, I would have had a first round easily last year. And I, it's incredible because I I sat there all year going like, man, the Miami prospects are so overrated. I was just looking at the wrong one. I, I think that I think it could go really high. I, I don't necessarily think that just because Miami loves to, feed so many mouths in that offense that's just they they like to spread the ball around i i would be surprised if he was like that like like hub scorer that we're talking about but i think he could easily just just by showing off tools and miami being pretty damn good got a lot more scouts attention this year i think that he could go as high as top 20 maybe even touching the lotto but I, i don't know that i would put him there right now i just think that's in like some really optimistic outcomes that could happen yeah. I mean, I will say he, he does kind of, you know, I brought the name
0: up and, and I don't mean this to be like a, a negative cop, but he does sort of remind me of book night in terms of just like pure archetype. Uh, they're very different how they get their buckets, but in, in pure archetype in terms of like older uh, you know, kind of scoring off guard, like where that value is, the difference is he's bigger and he's more athletic and uh, is a better ball handler. And you, you know, that that's plays in a, in a scheme that's more built for his game. So I'm, I'm pretty high on, on Wooga in terms of about as high as I get on players like him, I suppose. Um, I'm actually going to combine my last two because they're very similar. Um, and I, I, I don't want to be the last person to go. Um, so I'll start with Jordan Pope just briefly. Pope played at Oregon State, played on a really, really bad Oregon State team. Was sort of like a kind of used just like a bucket getter. That was kind of his whole thing. Um, Oregon State was obviously really bad. They were really young. They were like, hey, do you want to take all the tough shots for us? Well, Glenn Taylor's going to be our downhill point guard, even though he's like a 6'6 wing. You're going to be our tough shot maker. And he did just that. He shot 44% on 116 long twos, shot 84.5% from the line, even though he did not get to the line that much, 22.2 free throw rate, which compared to his 20.3 usage is not like horrid, but it's not great. Um, Only His athletic stats in general, really bad, 0.1 block rate, uh, 1.6 steal rate, not an athlete, um, but shot 38.2 percent, uh, on a 9.1 three point rate, 152 total threes, um, a lot of tough shots. Not that I blame anyone for not watching much Oregon State, but I watched every single Oregon State game last year because of course I did, um, and a lot of tough shots. I mean, pull ups, step backs, well beyond NBA three at times. Very comfortable lane, range. Played a prolific prep in high school. Um, you know he's only about. 6'2", listed at 165. He looked a little more built than that. Um, Doesn't have a listed age here, which is annoying. Um, But I I think that, like, he's not my cup of tea as, like, a a backup point guard prospect. But he's interesting. And, and, like, at a certain point, like, if he can develop into, like, one of the better bucket getters in college basketball, which, I mean, sadly will probably end up being away from Oregon State in time, um you know then all of a sudden he's interesting uh and, and and that type of guy there's been some NBA success with them uh the guy I'm much more intrigued by is Aiden Mahaney uh 6'3 20 years old will turn 21 uh in about a year actually his his birthday was five days ago happy happy birthday Aiden Mahaney uh congrats on on being almost able to drink legally um he's listed six 6'3 he's probably a little smaller than that um but I mean was arguably St. Mary's best player as a freshman which For anyone who pays much attention to St. Mary's basketball does not happen very often. I mean, a lot of their best all-time players like redshirted because that's just like how Randy Bennett likes to run things. Runs a very tight ship. But obviously, Adam Mahaney was good enough. And I noticed Aiden Haney in high school. I'm like, why is he like ranked in the hundreds? He's clearly a top 50 guy. Um, And I I feel like I was proven right. Uh, Shot 42.8% from or sorry, that's not the numbers I want to look at. Um, most important number shot 39.7% on a, on 179 threes to 10.9 three point rate, uh, can really bomb from outside when shot 71% from the line, which is not great. But I, I buy the, I mean, it's hard not to buy the shot. He can really, really hit. He's more of a catch and shoot guy, which is almost surprising considering he's a point guard, like, and he can definitely hit him off the dribble. He'll take some step backs, but he's not taking like the crazy shots that like Jordan Pope is taking where it's like. Take one dribble and just launch from way deep, or you know, whatever. That's not really his game. He's much more of a competent off ball mover, really. Just he's one of those guys who just knows how to play. Um, I think there's more point guard to his game than he got to show last year because he was playing next to Logan Johnson, who in classic, you know, St. Mary's point guard fashion could really, you know, make some plays for others, but was not a particularly good shooter. Um, did not play very well off the ball. Uh, so those are two guys who. I'm interested to hear if you guys have any thoughts on Garrett, I'll throw it to you. Do you have any
1: thoughts on, on Pope or Mahaney? Yeah. With Pope. uh, uh, First of all, I watched him uh, very recently. I actually watched both of these guys very recently Uh, with Pope. I think the pull-up is the most interesting tool there. The the, the idea that he can just get so downhill and then stop and pop to me is interesting, but at the same time, I don't think that he's gotten the full control over that yet. Uh, I, I would agree that he's generally not the type of, point guard prospect particularly backup point guard prospect I would go for but I just really think that we're talking about having a prevailing skill I think that would be a prevailing skill that could translate and be very interesting you know with so much less on-ball creation expected of of uh backup point guards these days in the NBA I think that there's a potential for him to fit a role there I do think he's shorter than his 6'2 listed height uh but maybe the weight is accurate um but I think of like him versus like Houston Millette at Pepperdine as, as a more successful version of the same thing where you really are banking on the pull-up game, but he's just got a better frame to do it. Better frame to like ward off a guy off the bounce and a much faster downhill. Uh, But again, yeah, I I think he's like a late second rounder in in an ideal scenario um, for now. And maybe he becomes more down the line. I mean, he was only a freshman at Oregon state, a bad context that we'll see um I'm also pretty high on Aiden Mahaney um I think to me uh what struck me on I I watched quite a bit of his AAU tape recently uh trying to wonder how much different it was than it was at St. Mary's and you were talking about the uh, the on-ball creation I think he has a lot of potential as a passer, and actually has some really really smart uh feeds that he wasn't consistently putting opportunities to like be creative in at St. Mary's. It felt like most of the time at St. Mary's, his creativity came more off ball in relocations and, uh, being ready off the catch to beat guys uh, rather than trying to create for others. Like you kind of touched on it. it just wasn't his role. So I'm really interested in seeing more of that this year. And yeah, I think it's so interesting how often he gets open as an th- off ball three point shooter, considering that he is number one, two and three on St. Mary's scouting report as a shooter. Um, Part of that's just terrible WCC defense. Some of it is just that he's just a really, really smart player, so crafty, and I, I love the way he puts guys on his hip off the bounce. It makes up for some of the lack of athleticism, or maybe not lack of athleticism, but not the athleticism that you want as an NBA prospect. The, the just the inherent knowledge of how to put guys on on your hip and and create advantages for yourself is is there already. So very excited with him think he's more of a prospect than he's talked about and uh i I don't know i don't know how high he'll end up on my board eventually but i I think he's got way more potential than it's talked about he's the type of guy
0: who i have to be careful to not like get too high on him because i was early on the like train like i can definitely i'll admit like i I have no problems admitting like i've done that in the past where i have like because i'm early on a guy like I get too high on them even if they're not an archetype I actually like that much. Like I still like at, at a certain point, like I still don't know how much like high-end starter upside there is for Mahaney. He does still kind of profile more as a backup point guard. And like, you know, like I think he could be a very good backup. I, I he could probably start on some teams, but like um I, you know, I, I think no matter what, like I, I need to be sure to not get too high, but he's very fun to watch and He's another guy who I wouldn't be surprised if, like, he's one of the best players in the country sooner or later, and you know, he, I I think he can kind of be what I hoped Nolan Hickman would be as a sophomore, and that would be pretty great. Coop,
2: I am gonna be honest, I did not pay that much attention to Oregon State hoops. Uh, mm-hmm. Shame on me. I'll 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 be the bad guy here.
1: But, no yeah, Tyler no.
2: Billado thoughts or what. Dude, that's that's the, the name generator in your head is going that's uh crazy I,
0: today. I,
1: I just watched Oregon State and I have no idea who you're talking about.
0: Six <laughs> ten white guy went to Kamaik and I uh, my brother played against him in high school. Um anyways, he's he's fine. He if he shoots, maybe he's like a stretch four, but the shot is like intermittent. Anyways, um not as good as Washako, but that's that's a stretch. Nobody's for as day. good as
2: Washako Florian, but he's he's yeah, he's for another pod.
1: No thoughts on Mahaney? Wow. Wow.
0: <laughs> no, Someone doesn't no. watch WCC hoops. I see. No,
2: um, I don't. I, I right, watched St. Mary's like twice. <laughs> not, not, a fan, of...
1: not a fan of stadium? Not a fan of watching games on stadium? Oh, my God. I cannot watch another game with those horrible camera
0: angles. They drive me nuts. They drive me nuts. Uh, shout out Pepperdine, though. Pepperdine, some of the funniest commentators of all time. Uh, anyways, Coop, do you want to do your last guy?
2: Yeah. Uh. This is uh. my last guy's Trey White. Uh, played at USC, transferred to Louisville after they after USC got like every single good guard ever, uh, you know, for this upcoming season. And it's a really weird context. Like they got Sky Clark also in the transfer portal. Uh, they got what is the other guy's name? Mike James, uh, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, like a bunch of freshmen. It's just a really weird team. But a lot I mean, of probably sure.
0: overranked oh you know oh, RSCI yeah. guys. But then Dre White is the one who I actually liked compared to his RSCI ranking. So
2: yeah, no, we we talked about him before last year, didn't we? Uh I, I swear we at least talked about him a little bit, but he's like six seven. Uh he can get some buckets. Uh I, I think last year was a really weird year, and USC just I mean, consistently, just a what the fuck is going on coaching job. Um he, like, none of the numbers really stand out. He was really good at the rim, you know, mostly as an off-ball cutter. I thought that was really, like, all his best games were the ones where he could just, like, I'm going to go mosey on into the paint and somebody will find me, or I'll grab an offensive rebound and do something cool. And he's, uh, <laughs> sorry, he's not bad at, you know, getting to the line. He he kind of just played as, you know, like a, an off-ball cutter, kind of a slasher, but he's got some some bucket getting, he can get his own at times. And I really hope that that's able to be unlocked this year at Louisville.
0: I will say we talked, I think in the pre-show about how bad like the Syracuse Dub zone is and like Trey white murdered it on baseline cuts. Like I think he had like four dunks in that game. Uh, anyways, Garrett, do you have any thoughts on, on Trey white?
1: Yeah, I think we were just talking about uh, being early on a guy. I have, uh, first player watch the cycle bias where I get really excited to be back into watching for the next cycle. And I get really high on the guy. He was the first person I saw in person last year. And I just got really excited. Start so thinking about him as a prospect and how it was going to fit and wh- where I was going to put on my board. And then I didn't end up really having him on my board. Uh, I think the main issue for me right now with Trey white is the shot. It's a huge work in progress. Uh, I think the left hand, the guide hand moves inward on the release, which is a really odd mechanic, puts a lot of spin on the ball. The stationary release overall looks pretty stiff um, in, in shoot-arounds. When I watched him, he missed almost every shot. Uh, I think that basically, to me, that's pretty essential to his game because he, he is somebody who really thrives off ball uh, but but can cook a little bit off one dribble, two dribble moves. Um, I think he looks really comfortable in the mid-range, which makes it so odd how, how stark the difference is between his mid-range and his three-point shot uh really loud communicator in that defense like seem to call out actions before they happen to teammates uh really energetic remains engaged I do think though his uh off-ball positioning could be improved he's not always in the right spot to close out properly um but to me he's a guy who can get really hot in a minute and just take over games for USC which is really interesting and that's the kind of those are the kind of moments that make you think about him as a prospect Just finds ways to create for himself. Very creative inside the arc. Um, Yeah, to me, I think it's it's another if he shoots guy. Uh, I need to see shooting progression. I I am. You do get a little concerned when a guy commits to a school like Louisville from USC. You know, a, a not great context to a pretty bad context. I think Louisville, while they're going to be way more talented this year, it's kind of a Florida problem where it's a newish coach bringing in a lot of new faces to a team that was already dysfunctional. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how everything falls into place there. And and hopefully he isn't kind of like a sec a third option like he was at USC at times when he, his talent kind of demands being a little bit higher in the pecking order.
0: What I will say two things. One, Louisville um, not to get too into detail, but the personalities, there are going to be a mess too. It's just, I, like I said, I don't I'm not, not going to like get too much into it, but that'll be, um, there's, there, you know, could be documentary story down the line. Um, but I will say that I wonder if UCLA USC kind of pushed them out a little bit, right? They, they obviously got Collier. Um, they had Kobe Johnson who was going to be above him in the pecking order, um, and then they grab brawny james who they want to start probably bo yellis comes back okay all of a sudden there's probably not a starting spot for trey white um because they're definitely not going to not start a big um you know brawny obviously things have went differently now but they also went out and got like a dj rodman in uh the portal who i wouldn't say is better than trey white by any means but you know can fill in for him competently and you know now might start now that uh brawny seems like he's not going to play which it was kind of inter- it would have been interesting to see brawny play at the three I, I actually think that's what they were going to go for was going to be a three guard unit a lot of people didn't agree with me on that they thought they would start dj rodman instead but i was pretty confident confident that they were going to go uh with brawny at the three anyways um garrett do you kind of want to you know round us out here go for your last guy give us your thoughts on
1: uh tristan Deselva, one of my favorite players yeah, I think we're kind of stretching the idea of a guard here by putting De Silva here. But to me, he's like a great wing player. So I I, I like talking about him in this context because it's a lot of the skills that overlap with some of the other prospects we're talking about. Uh, I've been intrigued with Justin De Silva as a prospect since his freshman year, honestly. I, I Something about he, he, the way he played and his composure as a freshman had me tracking him all throughout college. And I think last year was the first year where he really reached the point where you could talk about him as a draftable guy um to me his skill level has grown so much in these three years and what stands out today is the shot making ability uh he's a three level scorer at six foot nine incredible efficiency i I think maybe you had the efficiency numbers pulled up here but he has a diverse scoring bag at each level he can score off pin downs this is a six nine player we're talking about scores off pin downs catch and shoot uh, he has a pull-up game that he can get to from a number of quick dribble moves, one dribble, two dribble moves. He can drive a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily strength, but he can do it at six foot nine. Uh, and then inside, he's kind of a finesse post player. I think he—you uh, can see that he's learned quite a bit from his older brother, Oscar de Silva. You might remember from Stanford. Now plays for Barcelona. Uh, definitely can beat you off some really nifty moves inside, even though he maybe doesn't have the strength to be a true big uh, as a post player. Uh, in my opinion, Tristan, one of the things that's really great about Tristan and makes the profile as a really nice off-ball player at the next level is that he rarely forces his own offense. But at the same time, he knows how to get his buckets. He's very comfortable in his spots. He knows what, how, what his strengths are and plays to them. I think he's an ideal off-ball offensive player who only needs a quick move to create space. Uh, defensively, I think that's where the question marks pop up. Um, in, in general, just kind of like asking what he does. I think he's the one thing that really stands out to me as a good defensive skill with him is his denial of entry passes. I think he has really nice hands inside uh, trying to disrupt uh, actions before they get in. But what, if the ball gets in on the block, he's kind of cooked. He doesn't really profile as a shot blocker. Again, he, he's playing a little bit skinnier just so that he can have some of that outside game and really excel in that. So he doesn't really have a big man frame to hold up like that. Uh he's just okay switch switchability-wise. He's certainly not gonna be switching in on any any guards at the next level. And he also struggles rebounding over other bigs for some of the same reasons I outlined. Uh, I think the team that can figure out the ideal role for the De silva defensively at the next level would really reap the rewards from drafting a guy who you know the offense is going to work at some level. Uh not only from an efficiency standpoint, but from the number of looks he can uh, shoot from i think of like a hundred tyson last last year as a guy who got really underrated because nothing he did was extremely flashy but just the number of different ways that Hunter tyson can score and then he holds up defensively i think De silva maybe doesn't hold up as well defensively but has even more to his bag offensively than uh hunter tyson uh yeah i just really think of him as a as a great wing role player at the next level i would have taken him in the first round last year i don't think it's a common take uh but yeah I'm i'm a huge fan of his and if, and if he doesn't work in the NBA, he's going to be a star in Europe, just like his brother is a great player for Barcelona. He is the type of player
0: who I think, like, I hope the team that drafts him is is good and confident because then he'll stick in the league. But if not, then he'll just go to Europe. And even if he'll be good enough to come back to the NBA, he'll just stay in Europe because, uh, no, I, I'm with you. I, he's like a borderline first-round type for me. You asked for some stats, 62.2% at the rim, 46.4% on 140 long twos. 75.5% from uh, the line, 39.4% on 137 threes last year. Um, what I like most about De Silva is that I feel like he's improved and added to his game every year. Uh, obviously, he took a big jump from limited minutes as a freshman to, you know, a really good start every game sophomore. Um, but, you know, he kind of had issues as a sophomore, I thought. I thought the defensive technique was pretty rough and while it's still not great and he's not a great athlete. I thought he improved a lot in terms of, you know, his ability to use his length and, you know, how he uh, can kind of get up on the perimeter and more aggressive switches. He had to play the five a lot for Colorado last year. And um, I think, why I don't think Eddie Lampkin is particularly good Desilla being able to actually play the four a lot is going to help him on both ends. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Colorado's going to have a lot of attention this year with Cody Williams, uh, Younger Ritter, Jalen Williams, of course, um, top ten recruit with De Silva now with um, uh, KJ Simpson. Uh, even Lampkin is probably going to have some overseas attention. I think there's a chance that De Silva is the best player on that team, and that he kind of works his way into, you know, a top top thirty ish conversation at least for us. Coop, have you seen any De Silva, or or is this just are we just blowing your mind with a 6'9", versatile offensive wing? No, I I love De Silva. Uh, I really liked him
2: not this last year, but the his sophomore year especially. I didn't watch a ton of Colorado this year. Um, not gonna say that I'm like the De Silva expert, but y'all are like low key convincing me that I need to go watch some Colorado this year maybe maybe I'll watch the WSU games uh maybe maybe that'll be my treat for myself tomorrow uh but I I really liked him uh, the year before he's just funky he's big he can do a lot of different stuff you know genuinely smooth uh you know if the shots as real as you know the numbers at least semi make it look this year I mean he rocks <laughs> um and he is someone who I need to declare, so, sorry, I need to stall. I need to make sure. Yeah, I need him to declare so I can put him on my all-handsome team this year. So, uh, love Tristan De Silva. Hope that he uh, makes it out to the league this year.
1: Yeah,
0: I'll no, go, I, oh, go ahead,
2: Gary.
1: Oh, I'll, I'll go step further than you, Bryce, on your take of him maybe being better than Cody Williams. I'm going to go and say that all the scouts are going to arrive at Colorado this year, expecting Cody Williams to be the guy they walk away with as a high grade. And it'll be De Silva for sure. That's the better prospect when all's said and done. Yeah, and Williams that's my hot is hot take
0: from the pod. Williams is super raw. Like he's very I don't know what 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 NBA teams are expecting from him as a freshman, but uh hopefully it's not like efficiency um because he's just really there's there's some things to like there. Um I wish he was a better handler like like I feel like a lot of his sell would be a lot nicer if I bought the handle as being as slinky as he looks. Um this is one of those rare times where the older brother who was like a two-star recruit out of high school is like comfortably a better prospect than the top 10 recruit younger brother, which is um, not something you see every day, but that's all we got guys. Here's 15, actually 16. Cause I did two um, to start uh 16 underrated kind of returners to look for love to hear from y'all. Like who you think, uh, you know, interests you guys and, and whatnot. Um, and, 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 you know, who out of this list or who did we leave off that you really like? um Garrett again we cannot thank you enough and you know the floor is yours plug yourself let people know where they could find all your great work
1: yeah my twitter is at half awake takes give me a follow if you want to talk draft uh this is one of the most fun podcasts you could be on so I it's been so fun doing this looking forward to doing another one back to back here
0: yeah absolutely um I Garrett and I I mean we do a ton of stuff together now we're in a mock draft thing mock draft is not the right word I don't even know what you call it fantasy draft we're like bidding on players and we have a salary cap I'm gonna get cooked because I'm horrible at stuff like this but uh no uh, Garrett's become one of my better Twitter friends I think he's um one of the foremost basketball thinkers I know on on Twitter right now so definitely give him a follow definitely uh follow his stuff obviously Coop is great as always uh foremost basketball genius uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see uh foremost handsome thinker i mean watching you get schooled on chetty osman you might have you might have you've lost a step you've lost a step dude
2: i did it's it's without my hair man i just i felt hair envy that one that
0: one pick. that uh that was that charlie that posted that it's like he literally looks like you like he dresses (laughs) like you and looks like i'm like oh my god like i'm gonna coupade on this man this is uh no, no,
2: dude that was crazy i was like they, they, they picked the worst possible chetty picture for the fucking the, the thing is thing, okay yeah. the
0: thing is that like chetty looks bad when he's playing right like he is not making yeah. any all handsome yeah. teams when he's playing because like he looks awful when his hair is all sweaty when his yeah. hair's like nice and done up like i i i, I, I
2: can appreciate that as a guy who usually has medium you know medium-ish length hair i look like shit whenever i play my hair like i look like i'm playing in the 70s that's
0: why i play with the headband or when my hair gets long enough i will occasionally put it up in a bun and he'll put the bun oh on. dude i i used
1: to not, not no even more, a bu-
0: bun's not even the right word i put it into like a little pigtail yeah like, it's that's the little one in the back
1: yeah oh. see, now, <laughs> anyway. now that now that i'm overweight when i when i work out and i sweat i look like a sweaty mess but when i was younger and i was an athlete like a r- actual athlete back in the day for some reason, I just never sweat. My hair looked exactly the same, starter game, after game. Ugh. It was a skill. It was a that's skill. That's incredible. Man. No, that's I, like, I, mean... I don't have it anymore. And look at my hair. I, you have, I have hair that looks like it would be like a sweaty mess by the end of a game, but nope. No, that's my, mine would get so bad. That's, and like, I, I always got made fun of for
0: wearing the wearing the headband cuz like no one else I started wearing a headband back when it was
1: still corny to wear a headband before Joe Ingalls made it cool all right <laughs> Joe Ingles like, was not the guy who made <laughs> Joe Ingles is not the cool. guy who made it <laughs> in the band, Joe, Joe Ingles has made anything cool outside of Australia well <laughs> hey that's that's a legend down there He,
2: he right. made being a white boy cool so he gets he gets a lot of respect for his nickname it's is like...
1: Jingles man <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god uh, one of my favorite Bryce's
0: favorite player like I I legitimately not even joking one of my favorite all-time players like he's fun man he could I'll never forget the series where he cooked Paul George Uh,
2: (laughs) dude all-time series that Ah. is like one of just the funniest like it's I don't those that and the random series where Eric Gordon held Donovan Mitchell as a sophomore to like 16% shooting from the field are like my two favorite series like just random series of all time just craziness see the
0: one that kills me it will forever be the nuggets one in the bubble where we would have swept them if in the first game donovan mitchell didn't get called for an eight second violation because he stood behind half court trying to call a play and turn the ball over anyways anyways garrett this was great i will tag all his stuff below so if you're too lazy to look it up on twitter you can just go click things uh, for Coop, at Allie underscore Coop, underscore Coop, I'm at Bryce Hendricks 14. Bryce Hendrick 14, excuse me. This has been the Upside Swings EBA podcast. Give us a like, rating, review, all that fun stuff. Follow us. We hope we our ceiling. Thank you.